Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Um, awesome. It's so fantastic to be here with you guys again. It's been a few weeks. I've been down in Vandalia. Things are going well down there. Well, I've been dealing with some IT issues via text this morning, but it seems like things are uh, about to be fine down there. So don't worry about Vandalia. They're fine. It's going to be okay. (laughs) I'm not worried either. Um, So today we are kicking off um, the the final mini-series within the Outward Journey series, which is a smaller series within the Three Journeys series that we have been talking about all of 2017. Uh, The Three Journeys is the the Inward Journey, the Upward Journey, and the Outward Journey. The Outward Journey being how are we to extend the, the kingdom of God in our community, in our family, on the streets, at work, wherever we are. And so we wanted to try to get practical here at at the end, instead of just kind of theorizing of why it's good to do the outward journey. We want to help you guys have some handholds and go, okay, this is how we do it. And I get to talk about how we do the outward journey within the realm of our family. And this is something that I am really passionate about, even though it feels like, as I kind of look back, I can see all these times where I, where I missed the mark, where I didn't do it quite right, where I maybe didn't uh, you know, take advantage of every situation. But it's something that I'm passionate about, something that I want to do better and better. Uh, earlier this year, uh, in September, we dropped, Amber and I dropped Emma, our oldest daughter, off at Ferris State University. And it's a really exciting time, but as a parent, if you have ever abandoned, well, not abandoned, if you've ever <laughs> left your kids somewhere and go, you're just thinking the whole time, man, did I, man, did I teach them everything that they need to know? Right? Did I, did I teach Emma enough how to be a an adult and to be responsible. Is she going to be able to figure out how to get her food? Is she going to be able to figure out this is my class schedule and this is where the the class is and I got to leave this early? Is she going to remember to think to to do her homework without Amber and I reminding her? Is is she going to clean up after herself in the bathroom? She's sharing a room with four other girls. It's like, Okay, it, but, and so you're just, ner- you're just nervous. Have I done enough to prepare her for this? Because I am launching her out on her own. And in the book of Deuteronomy, how am I going to connect this to Deuteronomy? Our friend Moses is standing on the east side of the Jordan River, and he is about to send the Israelites into the promised land. And it is a place where they had been before, 40 years before this. Um, God had brought them out of Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, led them through the, through the desert to Mount Sinai, then up to the, the Promised Land and said, this is the place that I promised your ancestors. This is going to be your home. And so the people were pretty excited, I guess. They were like, this looks like a pretty nice place, but let's send some spies in to make sure that this Uh, so that we know what we're getting ourselves into. So they send the spies in, they come back, 
you know what, this is a pretty amazing place. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, just like the Lord said. But bad news, there's giants in the land. And these cities that, are, that have walls that go up to the sky. I don't think we're going to be able to do it. And God says, yeah, all right, nope, you're not going to get to go into the land. Not, none of you disbelieving people are going to, are going to enjoy the, the promised land. So you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until this whole generation of fighting men dies out. And then I'm going to have the next generation come and enjoy the land that I promised to your ancestors. And so they're here again on the doorstep of, of the promised land. And Moses is getting ready to give his final addresses because he is also not allowed to go into the promised land. This is the end of the road for him. He's dying. And he wants to make sure that he communicates everything that is valuable, everything is important, everything that the Israelites are going to need to know so that they can thrive in the land he's sending them into. And while I left Emma at Ferris and I was just two hours away and I was able to, and I did call her or text her or direct message her on Twitter every day for a few weeks, even though Amber's like, why don't you settle down there? <laughs> Pump the brakes there, buddy. And, and I was able to talk to her and go, hey, how's classes going? Oh, where? Oh, and, and try to be cool and just ask her, hey, you, everything all right? You, you eating enough? You getting enough sleep? Are you being a nice person? But Moses wasn't able to do that. This was the end. He was raising up Joshua to take them into the land. And so here we have the, the final discourses of, of Moses to encourage, to, for him to pass the faith on to this generation and for that generation to pass the faith on to following generations. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, we're going to be mostly looking at chapter 4 today in Deuteronomy uh, Moses says this to the Israelites, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your hearts as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And, so he's in, and then again in chapter 6, he encourages, remember these things and teach them to your kids so that they can teach them to their kids so that they, they can be prepared to be the representatives of God into the land that I am showing them, that I am taking them into. And so as Moses passes that challenge on to Israel, we have that same challenge given to us, to pass on our faith in the truth of Jesus Christ to our kids and their kids and to the generations following. Because if we're going to do the outward journey well, right, we cannot forget our most important discipleship, to, to teach and to raise up our kids. And if you're here and you're, you're not a parent, um, you're not off the hook. <laughs> Sorry. Right? You, uh, and so a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is going to be kind of geared towards parents and how do we pass things on to our kids. But we're all part of the family of God. That's one of the reasons why I love doing baby dedications is because we, we bless the parents and we bless the, 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 the child and uh, we dedicate that child unto the Lord. But then we call the congregation to stand up and say, we are going to support this child. We are going to support this family to see them grow and thrive in their faith in Jesus Christ. So we are all part of passing our faith on to the next generation. So, 
Why does Moses spend so much time reminding and encouraging this new generation standing here at the foot of the promised land to pass their faith on to the following generations? Well, as we read through the book of Deuteronomy, I see at least two reasons that are applicable for us today. The first is that Moses wants to see the Israelites, he he wants to see his kids thrive in the land that they are going into. And second, he wants to see God glorified to the nations. All right, I think I have a slide. There we go. He wants to see them thrive. He wants to see God glorified among the nations. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 1, he says, Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. So Moses has begun expounding on the law, and he says, remember these things I'm teaching you, follow them. Why? So you can appease an angry God? No, so that you can live. He wants them to live and thrive in the land that God is taking them into. And then, just a couple verses later, he says, you saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. This is a story out of the the book of Numbers 25, 1 through 9, that you can look at on your own. But the Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. Moses saw with his own eyes for 40 years how when the Israelites would choose God, when they would submit to him, when when they would obey and trust in God, he would bless them and they would flourish and they would thrive. But he also saw the flip side. Right? He saw when the Israelites would reject God, when they would choose their own way, God would bring judgment upon them and they would reap the consequences of their mistrust and their rebellion. And so Moses wanted to see them thrive in the land they were about to enter. Second, Moses wanted to see God glorified among the nations. Right? This wasn't just about him. It just wasn't about Israel. It was about God being glorified and all the nations worshiping him. Moses knew that there was a promise given to Abraham back in Genesis 12 that Israel would be a blessing to all the nations. This was their birthright. This was what they were called to do. And so he says here, this is uh, verse four, starting, in chapter 4, starting in verse 5. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully. Why? For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Moses knew that as Israel obeyed God, as they submitted to the way he was calling them to live, that he would be magnified and glorified among the nations. We see this a couple generations later as Solomon 
in his obedience, in his relationship to the Lord, the, the nation thrives and the queen of Sheba comes and says, what is going on? I've heard about all the, the prosperity and the goodness that's happening in Israel. What is going on? And she comes and she sees all of his relationships and all of his kingdom. And the queen of Sheba worships the Lord. Jump forward into the Gospels and Jesus' prayer in John 17, uh, right before the, the crucifixion, crucifixion, he prays, God, let, let my, everybody who calls on my name, let them be one as you and I are one. And if they are one, if they will live in obedience to, and in love relationship with one another, then I will be glorified in the world as they love one another and as they love you. So this is amazing opportunity that as, as we obey God, we are a light to the nations, and we can see other people come into relationship with Jesus as we submit and run after him. And so this is why we, the, these two reasons, to, to see Israel thrive and to see God glorified, these are the same reasons that we want to lead our kids on the outward journey. We want to see them thrive, right? If you are a parent, you know that everything inside you wants to see your kids grow and thrive and have a better life than you ever did. You want to see them just be successful and happy and joyful. You want to see them live in, in freedom from all the junk in this world that can bind them up and hold them down and keep them from living the, the blessed and full, abundant life that God has for them. And so that is why we do the outward journey with our kids. And we want the world to know God, right? Again, it's not just about us. Our, it's not just about our kids, but it's because our kids are going to go off into a world. They are going to represent God in places that we will never be able to infiltrate, where we will never step foot. They are going to be a beacon of hope and life to a world in need. And so that is why we do the outward journey. Okay, so that's why. So how do we do it? How do we help them to choose God? That is what we see Moses doing, encouraging the Israelites, choose God and pass that on to your kids. And what we see throughout the book of Deuteronomy is Moses does not just give a list of rules. The book of Deuteronomy, if you read it, it's not, you just don't, chapter 1, here's the Ten Commandments. Chapter 2, uh, don't boil a goat, a young goat in its mother's milk. You know, number 2, don't wear mixed fabrics. And, all right, have fun in the promised land. No, he doesn't just give a, a list of rules, but he, he uh, takes the instruction of God and he weaves it within the story of God. All of this instruction, we see the Ten Commandments in there. We see him recount the laws and the instructions given at Mount Sinai. But he, he weaves it and roots it in the story, into the heart of God. So if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. See if I put that up there. Here it is. So right at the beginning, uh, the first few verses of Deuteronomy kind of setting the scene all right, they're east of the Jordan. They've just defeated a couple kings. They're about ready to, to go in and take the promised land. And then in verse 5, it says, Moses began to explain the law. 
All right, that's what he's doing. He's explaining the law, the instruction of the Lord. And he says, the Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. Right? And so I just think it's interesting that he doesn't launch into the, the instruction, into the law, but he launches into the story of God. You guys remember when we were at Horeb, and Horeb is the mountain range in which Mount Sinai is located. You remember when we encountered God in fire and smoke at Horeb on the mountain. God revealed his law. He provided for us. He led us through the desert with a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire. Remember that he provided food for us when we were hungry. He provided water for us when we were thirsty. He sent manna. He is a loving and gracious and amazing God. And it is out of this heart of love that he gives us his instructions. Because he wants us to thrive. He wants us to live. And so we see throughout the book that it's within the story of God that Moses communicates the instruction of God. Just one little example of this in the book is in chapter 5, right before he is begin, he's going to tell again the Ten Commandments. In chapter 5, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no gods before me. And then he goes into the Ten Commandments. Right? But he doesn't just launch into it. He roots it in the story of God. I brought you out of Egypt. It's not just, I'm powerful, so don't disobey me or I'm going to crush you, which sometimes we can read it that way. No, the reality is he's saying, look at the heart of God. I love you so much. I heard you when you were crying out to me, when you were under the thumb of your slave masters, and I wanted to see you live and thrive, and so I answered, I responded, I sent Moses to to, to bring you out. I did the, all these uh, signs and wonders. I parted the Red Sea. I gave you the plunder of Egypt. Right? I destroyed the, the Egyptian armies that were following you. I led you out. I love you. I care about you. Have no other gods before me. When I was in, uh, I think it was like fifth or sixth grade, I can remember the classroom, I had to give a... Uh, a speech to the class. You know how you do that in school, and it's horrible. And I, I got to choose my topic, and I chose castles. What's cooler than castles, right? And so I remember I was standing there. I had my uh, poster board with the diagram of castles with all the different, this is a rampart, and this is a crenellation or whatever it was. And so I had my poster here and I had my three by five cards and I was going through my presentation and the last card said, in conclusion, dot, dot, dot. And I was standing there in front of the, a class of peers as a fifth grader. How old, how old are you in fifth grade? 12, 10? Standing there and I just say, in conclusion, in conclusion, in, in conclusion, in conclusion, and I just remember, I probably said it 15 times as my class is staring at me, and in shame, I just walk to my seat and sit down. Oh, poor little Mark. That has, <laughs> that has wounded me. <laughs> Maybe that's where this is from. Anyway, um, so I, I remember that and just the difficulty of, of that situation. 
And I don't exactly remember how it happened, but let me give two uh, scenarios and, and see which one would have been more beneficial uh, for the teacher or for me in, in the long run. If the teacher kind of hands out this list of rules, all right, you've got a presentation to do, you can pick a topic, do these things, have a conclusion, all right, see you later, uh, we will be judging you in, in a week. Or, I mean, that, is pro that might be what happened, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know what, I'm doing all this hard work, I know all about castles, you know what, I'm kind of bored of this, I, I'm going to go play Atari, I'm not going to write a conclusion, I'm sure that I'll be able to wing it, how hard could it be? Or, what if the teacher says, Mark, Mark, I love you. Oh, maybe that would be inappropriate. Mark, I like you. You're a great kid. And I want, I want to see you succeed at this speech. And I know you can do it. You're a smart kid. And, and I can't you remember last, last week when uh, we stayed after, after school and we worked through that grammar lesson you didn't understand? You got that. You know, I'm here for you. Right, remember a couple weeks ago when you bombed that test, I let you make it up? Yeah, yeah, I care about you. I want to see you succeed. And here's the instructions. Here's what, uh, what I want you to do. And this last one, it's the conclusion. I'll, I'll give you a little hint. A lot of people just avoid the conclusion, right? They just think that they can wing it. But this is really important. So I would encourage you, write out the intro, write out the conclusion, and the middle will kind of work itself out if you've done, done your homework. All right, great, thank you so much. Which one is going to lead me into making the correct choice better? Right? It's, it's the one where I'm brought into relationship and into encouragement and, in, and uh, uh, with that teacher who says, hey, you can do it. This is what I want you to do. This is why you can do it. Go for it. You've got this. Right? It's because the instruction is rooted in a, in a heart that cares about me and is explained why. You should do this, right? And so in the same way, when our kids come to us or when we come to our kids and we say, Billy, do not have sex. Also, make sure you're reading your Bible. Uh, also, make sure that you're giving and you're serving. Uh, you have to forgive people. Don't be uh, angry, you know, and on and on. We just pile all these instructions on top of people. It just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And as a little person, as an adult person, it can just feel so heavy. And it's like, man, God is impossible to please. Why am I even going to try? I'm just going to run off and do my own thing. Or, Equally as bad, this weight of legalism and like, I got to keep trying. I got to keep working hard to appease my parents and appease God because he's going to be angry with me if I don't and he's going to smash me, right? We want to root the, the instruction of God, which is so important. It brings us into life. It brings us into liberty. It brings us into hope. But when we root it in the story of God, which reveals the heart of God, which in his heart is to love us and to pour and to lavish that love upon us so that we can thrive and live in the land that he sent us into, right? That is how we should instruct our kids, wrapping instruction in the heart of God. And so, yeah, so this is how we do it. We teach the story of God, which reveals the heart of God so that our kids know that the instruction of God is for their own good. I wrote that out. We teach the story of God, which reveals the heart of God, so that they will know the instruction of God is for their good.
So we tell them the story. The great story that God, the eternal one, created a perfect place for us to live. He created us and, and put us in this garden. And everything in the world was for our enjoyment. And it was good. But then we rebelled. We said, you know what? We want to do things our own way. We shook our fist in defiance at God. And we reaped the consequences of that. Sin entered the world. Corruption, iniquity, death, pain, sorrow. But God, because he loves us, didn't leave us in this, that place, didn't just wipe us off the face of the earth. No, he said, I love these people. And even though they have made this choice, even though they have turned their backs on me, I want to see them thrive. I want to see them set free from the law of, of sin and death, which they are held in bondage to. And so he sent Jesus to bear the, the penalty for our sins, to go to the cross, to make a way that we could be restored with the Father. And now, through faith in him, we have entered into the kingdom of God. We have entered into new life. And we look forward to Jesus' return when God will make all of creation new again. And there will be no more sin, no more death, and no more dying. This is the story of God. And then, as parents, we can root ourselves in there. Man, when I met God, he radically transformed my life. You know what? There, there's, a, there's a season when your mom and I hit a, a rough patch, and it was, it was really hard. And the, the world makes it seem like it would be easier just to jettison this marriage, and I'm just going to go do my own thing. This is too much work. But what we learned, what Jesus teaches us, and we know that Jesus wants us to have abundant, full lives, he said that the trick is actually to submit to one another, to love one another, to prefer one another above yourself. And when we started doing that, even though it felt countercultural, it felt ridiculous, we trusted God, and look at what happened. It transformed our marriage. We're in a better place than we've ever, ever been. Thank you so much, God. It's because God loves us and we can trust in his word. So we teach not just a list of rules. We teach the story. And when our kids know the love and the grace of God the Father who paid infinite cost to save us, obedience is not how they appease this angry God, but it is their response to the new life and the grace that has freely been poured out to them. A list of rules isn't going to do it. But can we reveal the heart of God? And I know this isn't easy. It seems like it should be easy. Heck, right? I'm a pastor. It should certainly be easy for me. <laughs> but the problem is that when, as Moses r reminded him, there's, he said, don't forget right? Don't forget what God has done. The problem is we can forget. We allow our hearts to be captured by other stuff. And so what I want to encourage you today, this is supposed to be practical, right? What I want to encourage you to do today is to draw near to Jesus. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. 
Come close to Jesus. Allow him to capture your heart. When we remember the unfailing love of God, when we have our eyes open to see how God has provided and led and loved us, and the benefit that we get from that in our relationships, in our emotions, in our spiritual life, in our communities, in our marriage, in whatever way, we see as we come to, to, into this fullness of life, we want to pour that out onto our kids so that they can enter into this fullness of life, so that they can know it, and so they can be lights into the world that they are being sent into, right? And so we want to work to root the instruction of God, because that's what we have to do. We're parents. We want to teach our kids how to follow God, but we root it in the story of God. We root it in the heart of God so that our kids will be prepared to be the representatives of God wherever the Lord sends them. And before I I pray, I've never heard there's a song that uh, Lacey sung this morning, and I don't know if it was the chorus or the tag, that said, fill my life till all they see is you, Lord, glorify your name. That was so good. Imagine that's a song that we do here. <laughs> and, and I was just like, yes. Like that is the takeaway for today. Right? We want to be so filled with God. We want to be so enraptured and so captured by God that everything we do brings glory to him. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful that when we were your enemies, when we had turned our back in rebellion against you, you loved us. And you chose us to be your sons and your daughters. You adopted us into your family. And when we were powerless to get set free from sin and death that was dragging us down to destruction. You came and you paid the penalty. You broke the power of sin and death as we put faith in your name. And Jesus, we love you. And I pray that you would remind us again of all you've done. Lord, help us to run after you with all of our hearts, with all of our strength, with all that we are. Help us to tell the stories of your goodness and your glory to our kids and to our kids' kids. And I pray that we and our kids and all that come after us would be salt and light, that we would be representatives of you in a world that is in need. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we are going to take, uh, you're dismissed-ish. We're going to take a five-minute break. You can get your kids uh, from Sunday school. You can grab a coffee or a donut. And then we are going to meet back here in five minutes and have our 320 and beyond Q&A. So I encourage you to join us for that. Bless you. Have a fantastic Sunday.